Premier Christian Newscast. On the 22nd of June 1948, the HMT Empire Windrush docked at the port of Tilbury in Essex. On board were more than 800 men, women and children from Caribbean nations who had decided to emigrate to Britain. This month marks 75 years since the Windrush generation took their first steps onto British soil to begin their new lives. But well as a time for celebration for the British Caribbean community, this anniversary is also a bittersweet one. Although it has now been five years since the Windrush scandal first erupted in 2018, its revelations have not yet lost their power to shock. Thousands of people from the Windrush generation had been treated as illegal immigrants under the Home Office's hostile environment policy. Some were detained, others were deported. Many lost jobs or were denied benefits in healthcare they were entitled to. At the time, many churches and Christians were among those demanding justice for the Windrush generation. But half a decade later, have we taken our eye off the ball? Has the government fixed its mistakes and provided genuine restitution and resolution? And has the scandal prompted British churches to address their own failures to welcome Caribbean brothers and sisters? I'm Tim Wyatt, and you're listening to the Premier Christian Newscast. This week, we look back at the Windrush scandal and ask pastors, theologians and activists how well the church has done for speaking up for the Windrush generation. In 2018, when newspaper reports had first exposed the Windrush scandal, the Chasen government promised to fix their egregious mistakes. The then Home Secretary was made to resign, an independent review was commissioned, and a compensation scheme was established for those who had suffered unfairly due to Home Office error. But progress towards restitution and resolution has been painfully slow and continually beset by setbacks. Despite the government accepting all the recommendations from its 2020 review into the scandal, in January, the current Home Secretary, Suella Braverman, announced that she had scrapped some critical projects. Now, the government would no longer strengthen the powers of the immigration watchdog, set up a new migrants commissioner, or run reconciliation events with Windrush victims and their families. The compensation scheme has also been torturously slow and ponderous in getting money to those who have applied. The latest figures show that as of January this year, only 12.8% of the 11,500 people believed to be eligible have actually been compensated. News reports regularly tell the stories of windrushers who have been asked for onerous amounts of hard-to-find paperwork to prove their losses from the scandal, while others have actually died while waiting, caught up in the labyrinthine bureaucracy. Human Rights Watch have castigated the government over its handling of the compensation scheme, while Braverman's backtracking on previous promises of reform has been described as, quote, disappointing, duplicitous, but sadly expected by the Barbados-born Bishop of Croydon. I spoke with Israel Olofinjan, a Baptist pastor, theologian, and the director of the Evangelical Alliance's One People Commission. He said that British Caribbean people had suffered what he described as a triple trauma, the, the call is to ask churches to even understand these issues in the first place. Because if you actually think about it, African Caribbeans have gone through what I would describe as triple trauma uh, in a sense of the Windrush experience in the 40s to the 60s, 
the Windrush scandal in 2017. And now the government almost backtracking on its promises from the scandal. So I called out the Windrush letdown. So it's kind of like a triple trauma. And I think our churches need to understand that uh, to begin to understand how to respond, where to start from. Alton Bell, a Pentecostal pastor in North London who also leads a charity called the Movement for Justice and Reconciliation, said as far as he could see, the government had slipped back into pandering to a right-wing anti-immigration agenda. It's a kick in the teeth, really. Not just adding fuel to a fight, it's a kick in the teeth. I think the, um, this present government uh, just don't get it. They really don't. I mean, there's no no sort of um, compassion. There's no looking at the bigger picture, you know. And you can just see in all the policies that they're coming through now in terms of they're pandering to a, a, a right wing agenda, which doesn't which doesn't help uh, uh, people who have lived here, uh, and you know, it, it just harps back to uh, colonialism, really, which has been implemented by people from uh, Asian background. But it's a, a right-wing agenda. I mean, essentially, Tim, the, it was this particular agenda which uh, had people from the Caribbean and uh, Commonwealth who were here legally caught up in this um, in this hostile environment. Mm-hmm. You remember the hostile environment was created when Theresa May was the Home, the home Secretary. And um, it was supposed to catch illegal immigrants. And, uh, you know, the Windrush generation or people from Commonwealth who are here legally, whose paper were destroyed uh, whilst the Labour government was in power, were caught up in this um, in this mess. There's a right, very right wing agenda which is being pursued by this government, which is causing the majority of this problem. So have churches taken their eyes off the ball since 2018? Have we lost sight that the Windrush scandal is far from over? Do Christians in Britain need to pick up the baton on this burning injustice once again? For Olaf Jana, there was both progress made, yet work still to be done. I think the church is more conscious now than ever before. So if we think about maybe 30 years ago, I would say maybe the church was not really vocal about these issues. So, But I think where we are now, I think the church is doing better than before. We we have a lot of activists um, that is speaking, challenging, writing, reflecting around the Windrush experience uh, in that sense. But nevertheless, it still has to be pointed out that the majority voices, which I can understand why, that we're still hearing are mainly black voices within the church. I I would love to hear more senior white church leaders speak more about these issues as well. So at the moment, it feels overwhelmingly that we have a lot of black church leaders that are speaking about the issue regularly. But I think we have few senior white church leaders who are really engaging in that space. And I don't know whether that's because some are afraid to say anything or whether people don't know what to say, or whether people feel it's not their place or something like that. But I think if truly we are thinking about the body of Christ in Britain, surely we need uh, a polyphonic voice 
to address this issue together, not just the black majority church voices and church leaders. So I think, so the black church leaders have raising up to the task and they are constantly speaking from different quarters, uh, from different traditions and streams, but it'd be good to have other voices speaking to that issue as well. Bell agreed that black church leaders in particular had been vociferous in their lobbying on behalf of Windrush victims. But Joe Aldred, a bishop in the Pentecostal Church of God of Prophecy, who has regularly worked with the government on post-Windrush issues, said that there was a burst of action in 2018 when the story broke by the churches, but precious little since. I think on the one hand, when the Windrush story broke in 2018, I think there was quite a bit of take-up across the the churches, you know, ecumenically speaking, um, in terms of people acknowledging um, what had emerged. Um, some were taken uh, by surprise, um, but I don't think it led to a great deal of, may I say, institutional um, action with regard to what the Guardian first broke and then which became a national story. Um, but on an individual level, I, I think um, many people from within the churches have been deeply involved. Um, I myself um, had been uh, speaking Windrush, um, working with the Windrush uh, community for many years. I was on the cross-government working group that the government had set up to help um, to, um, to, to implement the, the 30, I think, recommendations of the Andy Williams um, review report. Um, and, you know, a number of people working on both of those groups I mentioned are, are Christians, but not necessarily, that does not necessarily lead back to action by their, by our respective churches. So I'm saying at a, at a, at a sort of institutional level, bearing in mind the churches are hugely diverse, 52 national members within churches together in England, at, at the level of institutions, it is difficult to see, apart from expressions of sorrow and, you know, shock and awe, it's difficult to point to activity by the churches themselves. But you would find a number of involved in the responses to um, to the Winra scandal are Christians from the churches. But others said that it was not fair to describe the church's response as lacking, including Guy Hewitt, the Church of England's racial justice director. I would say, if, I, if we go back to 2018, that there was a lot of support given, not just from in the Church of England, but from, from broadly, ecumenically, and, and even interfaith, um, the response and the call for justice and the call for action was very much there. And we have seen, I have seen from specifically from the, the Church of England as well, how the church has recently been advocating in terms of support for migrants, um, responding to cost of living crises, um, responding to, to issues of welfare in a very 
progressive way. Um, we have seen in the Church of England um, its own inquiry into and response to its historic involvement in the transatlantic trade in 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 um, enslaved Africans, and and so we there is that appreciation for the need for the society to try to heal, um, to be more diverse and more inclusive, but there is. Still, I think at this time where we are about to, to celebrate the 75th anniversary of the arrival of, of Windrush, which, which for many symbolizes um, the advent of a modern, diverse Britain, there is a need for not just the church and religious institutions, but the government and other civil society organizations to really reaffirm their commitment to equality to those principles of diversity and inclusion. However, one thing almost all are agreed on is the need for someone other than the Home Office itself to be leading on recompense for Windrushes caught up in the scandal. Olive Jana said the Home Office did need root and branch reform, but few had any expectation this could happen. With the triple trauma looking at that, I think it's difficult to have confidence, you know, in that sort of government in a way, because I think experience have taught that promises have not been kept and having confidence at this stage is very tricky in that sense uh, and I, a lot of people have been saying that our home office need reform if things are actually going to change uh, and so at the moment i feel we are tackling the symptoms of the problem but whereas i think we need to go to the root cause of the problem which is you know, the views of our home office, the policies, the, the fact that in its reform in its entirety in that sense. So I think the confidence is very low. There is lack of trust uh, in that sense. And, and th there is the need for, for the government to definitely not sleep on its promises, but to see how it can deliver. Because I think if that doesn't happen, the trauma and the pain, the suffering, will be recycled again and we're going to be having this conversation again and again which which is not really good but we, you know we, we need those promises to be kept we, we need the government to act uh, in that sense hewitt agreed that it was not right that the home office was still being allowed to mark its own homework it reflects is the home office proved in the through the lead up and through the windrush scandal that it was challenged by um, in, or challenged in its ability to respond to this this crisis. Um, it was not until it there was a we could say a public furore that you got the the kind of engagement and a, a, an inappropriate response from the Home Office. But in that, it, it begs the question: Are those can those who made such catastrophic errors be then asked on their own to correct them. And I say that to make the point that I, I feel that there should be some kind of independent panel that is able to input, to review, to work alongside the, the, the Home Office to ensure that it is done in the way that, that meets the needs of those who have suffered adversely through the Winwa scandal. And so to me, it's a perpetuation of the injustice 
um, of the inhumanity or the lack of compassion in the system by not ensuring that persons who would have suffered as a result of the Rinra scandal were not, are not given every support and the benefit of the doubt in the making of their claims. Premier Christian Newscast. Premier Christian Newscast. Bell said that he had worked with many individuals within the department who were good people who meant well, but they were too often caught up in a broken system which was changing far too slowly. I wouldn't say, I mean, individually, the individual officers that we spoke with and we met, they were very hardworking and very, and very, uh, you know, uh, very uh, well-meaning. However, I think the machinery itself, it moves too slowly. Uh, and, and as a consequence, you know, people who were wronged, uh, it takes a long time for them to be recompensed recompensed or even given anything if it takes too long. I do agree with that, but it should have been done it should have been done in the first place. It should have been done by an independent organization or an independent body. Because um you know because of the home office's um uh, duplicity as it were, it, it was very they had lost the trust of the community ages ago. For example, I was a Windrush ambassador to try to get people to to claim for the compensation. However, this, not long after we were engaged, back in um, November, when was it? November 2021, I think. Uh, not long after we were engaged, there was... Uh, like the same week, it was, it was the news came out that the government was, was planning to ship people uh, uh, back to Jamaica. So it was, um, you know, just the insensitivity. Mm. Was, it was, it's really, really terrible. But Aldred offered a different perspective. Rather than focusing in on reforming the Home Office, the churches must zoom out to look at the bigger picture. He argued. In reality, only a tiny fraction of those who migrated from the Caribbean to Britain post-war were actually affected by the hostile environment. The roughly 12,000 people eligible for compensation amounts to less than 3% of the total Windrush generation in Britain, he noted. Uh, the national narrative is that the Windrush generation have been wronged. Um, we were invited to come here to help build up the country. And now, having not kept our records, the government is now demanding that we prove that we have a right to be here. And we can't because they didn't keep the records and we didn't know that we'd be required to show that. Now, the problem with that is it is true. It is true. It's a true story that that has happened. But the numbers of people to which it has happened, the number of people caught up in it, compared to the size of the Windrush generation, let's call them that loosely in the country, is, is relatively small. But the national narrative tends to give the projection that this is a 
huge problem for a huge amount of people, whereas it is a huge problem for a small amount of people. So the numbers are not insignificant, but they do not necessarily tally with a with a sort of global approach to the national narrative mm. that make it appear that you know the whole host of the Windrush generation or half a million to three quarters of a million of us um, are are in that dilemma. Aldred said that he personally recalled outreach work by churches in the 1980s which had mopped up many black Britons who needed their citizenship or immigration status regularising, meaning it was relatively rare in his experience to find people affected by the Windrush scandal within the black church community. He argued a sort of Windrush industry had now cropped up who were constantly whipping up angst about the issue despite this. It has become a bit of an industry, the the, the Windrush um, uh, scandal. And so there are, you know, groups have risen up, um, and I, I think there is there there is a there is a, a keeping um, stirring of that pot uh, on the national narrative level that I believe is out of sync actually with the grassroots reality of what's going on. And it's, it's out of sync with it on the two fronts, that it is globalizing something which is, in a sense, um, quite localized um, in, in terms of making it appear that the entire Windrush generation uh, are in danger of being deported. Um, and so that keeps it stirring at the national level. One other thing I will just lob in, which is to say that absolutely everybody who has been caught up in the, the government's hostile immigra- immigration legislations, which I condemn, by the way, uh, forthwith. I, do, I just do not believe as a country that what we should be doing is creating hostility um, for people who are largely people in need and looking for a way out of their difficult, mostly economic um, situation. And I mean, generally, I just don't think that's what you do. It's, it's anti-Christian in my view. The Bible is very clear that you should look out for the neighbor, look out for the poor, look out for those who are in trouble, not make your own society hostile um, as a response to, to that um, need and that cry. Bell said that he agreed in part, noting that the numbers involved in Windrush were small. And while it was a horrendous situation, it did need to be put into perspective church leaders had bigger fish to fry when it came to social justice you know i think we've got to put things in context the um, the amount of people from the caribbean i mean there let's talk about the caribbean people not just the commonwealth i mean there's about 600 the population of people from the caribbean in this country is about 600,000 the population that's affected by the the windrush scandal i.e. the hostile environment is, is roughly, probably less than 3%. So you're looking at about, you know, 1,800 or so people, uh, if that. So it's, it's, it's a, although it's a horrific uh, 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 and terrible uh, crime, I say crime, terrible situation that, we, that our folks have been caught up in, 
it's it's fairly it's not I mean it is a huge scandal in that people who've been here for 50 years can be treated as as uh, aliens uh, but the, you've got to put it in perspective really so it, you know there there are bigger fishes to fry in terms of one of the things that I as a chair of movement for justice and regulate and reconciliation is is working on is the bigger picture of of dealing with the, the fallout from the transatlantic slave trade which is still affecting many 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 more people uh, today and olive injana echoed aldred's call for churches to move from just tackling windrush to thinking about migration in its entirety so we need to understand uh, the immigration system and some of the laws that are coming out so for example the nationality and borders bill a uh, few organizations engaged that when it was being proposed from the government. The impact of that on people of color is those sort of things that I think churches need to be sensitized to. Leaders, church leaders need to know, to know how to care uh, for um, African Caribbean who are members of their congregation in, in that sense. So I think understanding the immigration system and to know how to begin to speak so that you can know whether you need to speak to your local counselor on behalf of someone who's been deported or a family related to someone who's been deported. But to begin to do that, you need to know the immigration system and the various reforms that are being proposed uh, that are getting really stricter and tougher and despite all the promises, some of those policies are still very harsh. So I think we need churches that understands that to begin to address the problem. Hewitt, who was appointed the CFE's first ever racial justice director last year, said there was now a widespread recognition that the mainstream churches in the UK had also failed the Windrush generation when they first arrived on British shores 75 years ago. There was, there is a recognition that the the traditional churches, including the Church of England, failed migrant communities, specifically the Windrush generation, in terms of um, demonstrating those values of, of love of neighbor, of welcoming of the stranger. And that was a considerable failing. And to a certain extent, um, a failing that impacts on the church now, because as we saw from the, the recent census data, it's amongst many of these migrant communities that you are seeing the greatest um, engagement in religion, in terms of, of attendance, in terms of Christianity. And therefore, a part of the church's or large part of the church's growth has been stymied by that failing um, in the 40s, 50s, 60s. But there has been recognition and, and, and there is now in the Church of England um, a call to be younger and more diverse. There is an, a focus on intercultural or interethnic worship and mission so that we are within the Church of England trying to see how we can ensure that not only those historic migrant communities, but new migrant communities can find a space and find a sense of belonging and inclusion within the church. Um, recently, there was the, the development and, um, and publishing of a liturgy for members of the Persian community so that they can worship 
and participate more fully in the life of the church. But there is a lot more to be done. There's a lot more to be done. And, and as we get to a milestone like this of the 75th anniversary of the arrival of the Windrush, or as we celebrate this year, the 30th anniversary of the murder of Stephen Lawrence, there is the recognition that still this kingdom we, we are all a part of is not united ethnically that there is still a lot of div deep divisions and that there is a need by chur the church and religious institutions, by the governments, by other agencies within the state and in civil society to start to bring about that greater healing, understanding and cohesiveness within society. Olaf Njana said white majority churches were now working hard to address their own racist pasts pointing to how his own Baptist denomination had an entire team dedicated to including and welcoming Christian Hong Kongers who had arrived recently in large numbers in Britain, fleeing China's crackdown. I think some white churches have really worked hard to do that. So just to give an example, we've had uh, Hong Kong uh, migrants come to the UK and if I look at my own particular tradition, Baptist, I think in order not to <laughs> not to create a kind of a another wind rush, I think uh, the Baptist denomination responded very well, even to the extent of appointing someone to lead what we call the Hong Kong response. And there was a team surrounded, uh, you know, that surrounded that person. And one of the thinking behind that was that we don't want the experience of African Caribbean to happen again with migrants from Hong Kong. So I think the, the church is learning. Uh, you know, we, we are learning uh, from that Windrush experience and trying to address it in different ways. And I think that there are ongoing conversations about that, the challenges around racial injustice, uh, the challenges around, and I think the death of George Floyd has definitely, even if people were not fully engaging or thinking about it, I think the death of George Floyd brought that back for many churches to refocus again and to think that this is still an issue. And so there is an ongoing engagement uh, you know, with the Windrush experience that is happening, reflecting on the past and seeing how we can do better in terms of where we are. But of course, we still have a lot of work to do because I think where we are now, actually, or where at least the conversation has shifted before we talk mainly about racial justice, but now there's even more talk around reparative justice now. You know, there's more conversations around reparations. And I think, again, a lot of churches are picking that up. Uh, for, for example, Baptist Union did an apology a few years back, uh, 2007, uh, around that. And now there's follow-up conversations. Uh, United Reformed Church, uh, again, recently did something around reparations, kind of like an initial step. And of course, the Church of England is wrestling with this. So, so I think there is a wrestling uh, with the experience and the struggle and to see how we do better now in that sense. Mm -hmm. So some progress have been made, but we still have uh, more work to do. And finally, Aldred said that there remained a huge task for the church in promoting racial reconciliation across the entirety of British society. And of course, the churches have work to do um, on the issue of 
both historic and contemporary racism. But the, the church is not just white anymore in Britain. The, the Baptist church, the, the Church of England, the, the Catholic and so on, you know, black people are in those churches now in this country. Um, some people refuse to leave. Some people have returned having left. And the churches I belong to, as uh, church I belong to, along with others, uh, set up their own churches. So we have an ongoing task of how in this place, the UK, where now the descendants of enslavers and the descendants of enslaved occupy the same space. Right? That's our task now. And together, both the both of those two lines of, of ancestry can must work out how the church itself goes forward wherever in the church you, you happen to be. And how do you relate to the wider world? So when the government develops legislation, the Labour Party started it, and the Conservative government perfected it, that ends up in hostile immigration. And by the way, I noticed they're, they're, they're not exactly backing down on this now, hmm. right? They're not backing down at all. They're ratcheting it up on the hostile legislation. And for us to overindulge in the Windrush scandal and not see the wider justice issues that this plays into, I think is a mistake. That's it for this week's Premier Christian Newscast. But if you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do leave us a review on whatever podcast app you use. And why not also tell a friend about the show? Don't forget to also subscribe to the podcast on your phone or tablet to ensure that you receive each episode automatically sent to your device week by week. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Premier Christian Newscast.